This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where, get this, those big dinners that they do in the breezeway, tickets now on sale. You've been to those, right? I've been to one, and it couldn't be nicer. It's outside and uh, down in the Lake Grove Zupan's location, mm-hmm. and uh, they have tickets on sale now at, the, at zupans.com. They're great dinners. Uh, Four course have, dinners. For, yeah. And lobster bake, that's right up my alley. Yep. I want to go to that one. South of France dinner, which uh, was something I would love to do. And tapas, they have a tapas and paella dinner. I don't know the exact dates, but we'll leave that up to you or our listeners to go to zoopans.com and check out when those are. Yeah, the the menus are there, and you can see everything and purchase your tickets. Right. And there are other things you can do there. You can sign up for a weekly email, the news feed Mm -hmm. with a Z. Right. Uh, So in your... You'll get in your inbox some specials each week and save a little money on the wonderful items that they have at Zupan's, including we love the Poke Bar now. Yep, that's, Poke Bar. That's in two locations, McAdam yep. and Burnside. Burnside, exactly. That's the which was the original spot for it. Uh, the, I also love that they help you with weekly recipes. If you're trying to change up your, your dining routines at your house, Zupan's, is, whether it be through the news feed or even their Instagram account, Chris, I will constantly see them doing stuff on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, i got to make that. Well, and even if you don't care about recipes, you can just go in and just get in prepared and, yep. wonderful dishes to bring home, which I like to do. Mm-hmm. A little cleanup that way. Zupans.com, and we appreciate their support of this podcast. This is Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork for another week with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I feel, Chris, like I'm being really radio announcy right now. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. I just I've just launched into that thing and I just I, I almost feel like I'm being puker announcery. No. I'll go with that. I, I'm Court Johnson from the radio. From the radio, right. Which radio? Mm, pick a dial. Yeah, pick a dial, yeah. any dial. Yeah. Any dial will do. But mm-hmm. we know you're here on the podcast, and we're glad you are. So you can yeah. find find you here at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even twice a week. That's right. Yeah. And and that is, uh, we keep adding. It's nice because we have nice content. Yep. We have fun stuff, including today, one of my favorite interviews and one that well, I've been looking forward to doing for a long time since I met Kelly Cox a few years ago. There was a girl in my uh, junior high and high school, Chris, by the name of Kelly Cox. I'll be honest with you. I will admit it to the world. I, I had a slight crush on her, but I think most of the guys in my high school did. Really? And so, uh, and, and, and this Kelly Cox, She's not the crushable. Kelly Cox. She's cr- completely crushable. Like, yeah. she lives up to the name. Right. It's hard. How can you not have a, a crush on Kelly right, Cox? I know. It was a fun conversation with and, her. And I knew, I knew it would be from the get-go. And if you haven't seen yet, uh, Kelly has a series on that streams online on PBS through OPB um, called Original Fair. And uh, she's on season four, just began, with uh, in the Amazon with uh, hunting piranha or fishing for piranha. And um, it's an interesting series. Kelly's all over the globe talking food, sustainability, yeah. um, and uh, looking for people who are sourcing and uh, being real with food mm-hmm. and uh you know reaching back into her 
Uh, she, well, she'll talk about her Missouri roots. Where Missouri roots, where yeah, gotta get that both ways. Where farms were a big part of their lives, so they weren't a thing uh, eating food. So um, Kelly made her way. We really never got to touch on some of those New York experiences, which leads me to believe we need to have part two. Right. So, uh, but she left as a younger being to go to New York City, and then found herself uh, all over the world and in Los Angeles. And then uh, was attracted to what many of us are attracted to here in Oregon, which is the the environment and the yeah. The the, the the she mentions it when you just feel like you're at home. Yeah, I, I had that experience. You did so, too. Oh, which the way she described it was exactly me the first time I came into Portland with my family. It's just like I think this is where we we're supposed to be. That's exact. I had that sitting. Yeah. Uh, the first one was on ba- in Bandon, Oregon, yeah. sitting on the coast. My wife didn't feel that way. In fact, I don't know if, if she's, she's quite there yet. But she hasn't had but it I have yet. It, and, and here we are. She just needs to go out to eat a little more. Often. Maybe, maybe that's then, maybe that's what it is. That's the way to do it. Yep. Uh, but we'll we'll get her there. But at any rate, uh, Kelly is uh, is a fascinating woman and um, really enjoyable guest. And uh, we got to some fun things. The thing about Kelly is there's a lot more fun that we didn't cover yep. that, uh, that you can imagine. But catch her on Original Fair, and you'll catch her here for the next 45 minutes. And Chris, by way of advisement, we should probably point out to parents who might be listening to this in their car with maybe kids present. Uh, this was probably one of those episodes but that you might want to return to later. It's definitely rated M for Mature. I would think you could you could you could follow anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can hold your own. I try. Well, you do a good job. You say every you you know every show you're putting yourself out there, right? Do you have? It's true. Do you have insecurity um, where you think, oh my God, I don't? Because it's one thing, court, you know, on just audio wise, right? We have to think about what we say. Oh, you sure. Have but then to, you have visually, to think about the whole thing. Yeah, that's total, uh, total package. I have to do the whole thing. It's the my least favorite part of the job is being on camera. I'm a shy person. Nobody believes me. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't am. believe. I'm gonna, I'm I, gonna go with if that. People could see your face on this podcast. I, I don't know if anybody believes. That. I don't think that. Yeah. That's just. I'm gonna call you on bullshit right off the right <laughs> off, the, off the top. There, there is some truth to that though, because like vi- visually, you can't hi- you can't hide anything. And and me being in the world of radio, yeah, like the, the advent of social media changed it for a lot of us, because you used to be able to hide behind a microphone in a studio. You would talk to to people on the phone every now and then, maybe meet them at events, but otherwise, they didn't know who you were. And that's where you get the phrase "a face for radio." Mm-hmm. And that, but it's changed now, where they're putting cameras in studios uh, and you're doing Facebook live all the time and well, suddenly you have to be somewhat you know presentable to be oh, a radio yeah. person it's just like ugh. well oh, let's yeah. just give it's a what I signed sh- up for let's give a shout out to the Pecha Kucha thing which people could look up but oh yeah you're on the radio every day right talking to a lot of people and 300 people doing a live presentation right. you were very nervous made me nervous yeah yeah so do you that, get that nervous, makes me nervous. Do you get, what makes you what makes you nervous uh, the fact that <laughs> When I am myself, how many people I'm going to offend? <laughs> that actually goes through your mind? It does. I mean, but and on one hand, I really set myself up for success because I try to work with people I really respect and admire. But then, you know, the drinks start flowing pretty easily, and I don't know what this wild <laughs> animal is going to do next. It's just something's going to happen. <laughs> but, you, but you're obviously okay with that because then you would say, all right, I got to not put myself in that position. 
Ugh. Right? So because Life's I think lessons. from what I you know, I know you we've hung out a little bit. <laughs> we've hung that, out, we're buds. Yeah, absolutely. So I I yeah, I can't say I know you really well, but I also know you probably more than most people sitting in that chair. Right. That I talk to. And I think you celebrate you celebrate your interest <laughs> in alcohol. <laughs> that is the best description I've ever heard about my love for drinking. <laughs> and it come and it's on the show too, right? It you is talk- on the show. It has to be on the show and I think it's partly because it helps me relax and I think it helps my subjects relax. And I, at the end of the day, people because it's a video, people have to be entertaining. You know, they have to be charismatic and they have to have a lot of energy. And Sometimes I might need to ply them with a shot or two to get to them to that point. Now, however, and yourself too, and right? myself too. However, I feel like your 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 last guest, Eli, was uh, he's I think started the shot, the shots in the show. I think when we shot our episode together a few years ago, he kind of started that doing shots on the show. Thread. It's like, oh yeah, this is a great idea. I should just do this all the time. Oh, that's good that he gets credit for that. It was one thing he didn't we didn't talk about at all. But just to just so people don't get confused, we record two episodes at a time. Yours is gonna hit before his hits. So, so just just subscribe to the show so you know yeah. when that one's hitting because that was a great interview that we just did. So it's gonna yeah. be a great day. You, yeah. you you can follow him. You will follow him, and it's just, I've been so excited about your coming on here. I know. I'm jazzed that you finally invited me, Chris. Well, Lucas pushed me a little bit last time we were hanging out at the what you thought was the Lions Club. but it The was American Legion. The American I knew Legion it was wrong in, when it came Cannon, out. In Cannon Beach. It's all right. Well, you wrote it, though. You didn't delete yeah. it. Um, I'm not challenging you on that. You I are. Just, you are. I just got a kick out of it because I think it's amusing that that's one of the better spots to eat on the coast. Is The fish fry the, is the my favorite experience. Favorite dining experience in Oregon. Oh, my God. I'm going to make so many people upset by that. But <laughs> Is that your absolute favorite dining experience in Oregon with all the people you know? <laughs> hey, Carlo. <laughs> oh, Carlo. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> um, I think what I love about it is the just ca- casualness. Uh, the only other There's no ex- pretense. There's no pretense. The only other experience that I would want. You know, I travel the world eating all the time in such random places I love Oregon, but I, because of the outside, and I, I would hope that Portland would get better at just doing some good old outdoor throwdowns. Throwdowns like get rid of the white tablecloths, get rid of the seated plating, you know, all of that stuff, and just party. Don't you think there's enough of that? I mean, I throw those parties, but... Yeah, no, I know, but they're done. It's not like there's none of that. I guess I'm just not invited. I probably pissed somebody off, and I'm not fucking invited. No, you haven't pissed anybody <laughs> off, I'm sure. So what I'm curious about is um, you grew up in Missouri. 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 You pronounce it Missouri. My father went to the University of Missouri. Oh, why yeah. did he, why, is, that an e, is that an East uh, State thing and a West Coast thing? I really never figured it out. Some of it's us been, say Missouri. Some of us say Missouri. Depends on if you live in St. Louis or not. Pardon me? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What well, part of the state depends. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, anyway. I don't know. I grew up in a town and some people said Missouri. Yeah. So just when you read, you know, in your bio that you grew up in this town of 200 that, you know, was pretty racist, <laughs> you, you're all of a sudden thinking Huck Finn, you know, <laughs> like I, that's the, the, that was the imagery that came up. So, but how much of that is still in you to give you the attitude that you had, the, the, 
your personality that you have now, the fact that you're, you know that you're pissing people off and you <laughs> really don't give a shit. Um, where does, how does that come from Missouri? Well, I think there's a few ways of looking at it, and I and I spent a lot of time looking at it. I even went back and did an episode there to try to work out some of my former demons and issues with location. Um, and then, of course, we ended up electing President Trump, so now I really don't give a flying fuck about telling the world that, yeah, there's a lot of racist, narrow-minded communities out there. Um, I, you know, I grew up in a town that had no fences. You know, it was on a bluff overlooking the Missouri River. We didn't have leashes for dogs. It was just a very wild and free place, surrounded by farms. But, you know, at that point, you know, this is the 80s, nobody gave a shit about where their food came from. You know, there were farmers who raised chickens and pigs and beef, and you would trade with your neighbors and you would can, you know, my mother would can every summer. But it wasn't like, nobody gave a, it well, was just normal. It, right. It, w- it wasn't a thing. It was just that normal. It is here. It just is what. It, that's what it was. Yeah, and I love the land. I hated the religious uh, re- religious mentality. You know, we only had churches, no fucking grocery stores. Um, so I moved to New York, and I think part of me always wanted to get back to the land and find that location that I felt at home with again because I really do love being outside and being in nature and being wild and free. And I think Oregon kind of represents some sort of common ground where I get to experience things in a significant way with bypassing a lot of the bullshit. So, but you say you like that and you went to New York. I went, so I, I went to New York. So, well, because I hated it then. You know, I, you, it was you, the opposite of what It was were, opposite. I was looking at the cities and, and, and TV shows and thinking, oh my God, the whole world exists somewhere else that's not here. And then, you know, my time in New York, which was just insane and magical and wild, this, what, what years were that? Was, was that? I got there right before 9-11, and then I left, I guess, 2015? Oh, I that's not even, long ago. I don't even remember anymore. Um, but this food thing was happening, and I got really annoyed by it because all of these fucking hipsters were coming out of the woodworks, and, like, it was so charming for them. Like, oh, back to nature. However, we'd, <laughs> we'd left the farmers a long time ago. We had lost that connection decades, generations. I mean, all the people I grew up with had to start farming corn and soy for the plastics industry because nobody was buying food from them. So I, I kind of started out with a little bit of a, my, a chip on my shoulder about the whole thing. That's interesting. So that's, and that's what's driven you. There's been a few things that have driven you. Oh, there's so chip many in the folder, <laughs> Chip in the folder. Chip, chip in your shoulder uh, about that. And I don't know if I'll call it a chip, but, I, but in reading your bio and talking to you, you know, you obviously um, took the challenge of people telling you, hey, a show like you're going to do can't be done by a woman. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, you, yeah. you have taken that challenge and just said, fuck that. Yeah. And um, where did that come from? Ugh. Was that was that something that was that you felt growing up too? the mis- misogyny? And well, I have led a very. uh strange and unpredictable life you know i got kicked out of high school for what <laughs> you're not gonna just let that comment uh, that statement go by uh, well <laughs> i got kicked out of high school for doing a lot of drugs throwing chairs at superintendents getting in a lot of fights and just basically being pissed off at the uh obsession with mediocrity <laughs> so but suffice it to say you probably weren't an easy daughter 
Oh, my poor mother. (laughs) (laughs) My poor mother. I just took her to Ireland for an episode, though, so I'm like, I finally made up for it. Was that a little payback? Oh, I I will pay her back for the rest of the life. For the rest of you. (laughs) What are some of the shittiest things that that she would love to hear you cop to right now that you did? Uh, Really? You guys want to go there? Just a little. Okay. Just a top line. Well, you know, the, the lying about, you know, you sneak out. They know you're sneaking out. Then you show up, and I'm I'm rocked on. I'm probably tripping my balls off on acid or something. <laughs> and she's there waiting for me, and she just knows I'm full of shit. She's like, I was like, I just went outside to smoke. <laughs> she's like, No, I see what's going on right here. I see what's going on with you right now, and I'm just lying to her face, and she knows better. And so I, you know, I got whopped <laughs> as I as I deserved. So, um, what kind of relationship do you have now? What was what was going to Ireland like? Was it a was it a newfound? Was there something no. about it that you discovered? Or no, we've always been best friends. My my parents, my family, and I were really close. So she could call you on your bullshit, but also not be like love, yeah, unconditional love. love. Okay, they knew what they were dealing with, and they somehow did a great job. <laughs> that's your judgment right (laughs) well you know i'm not dead yet (laughs) the day's young so that's the that's the criteria that you're actually here living and breathing you know i created i was able to take her to ireland none of her other children can say that yeah yeah right dig (laughs) how many children how many siblings i have three brothers three brothers oh no wonder you're a hellion i'm tougher than all of them you do they do they would they agree with that Two of them probably a hundred percent. One of them might challenge me. Yeah, and if they challenge you, would it be arm wrestling or what would it be? Shit talking. Shit talking. Mm. Yeah. I have a feeling you can talk. You can talk circles around. Oh. I don't know your brother, but I have a feeling you could do a pretty good job. Especially if my throat's loaded with whiskey. <laughs> I actually thought about that today, Court. But you know, we have the no food or drink right. thing here. Yeah. Yeah. I thought um, about having some before coming in. Then I was worried what might come out. You, so I learned you this. Wouldn't thing. Be the, you wouldn't be the first. I guest. learned this nope. great saying in in <laughs> Ireland that says, uh, "The whiskey goes in, the secrets come out." And yeah. I was like, "I should title that. I should change the title of my show to that." <laughs> yeah, and when you came up with original fare, was it a, was that something oh. that was on the table? A whiskey? Yeah, something to do with whiskey. <laughs> You know, the, the 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 development of the show was actually quite interesting because I originally made this show um, with two different hosts, and I was sort of producing and directing. And then we, I had two cameramen, audio, the whole thing. We shot a pilot for NBC out in Montauk, and it just didn't seem to work. You know, it just didn't feel right. And, um, you know, my interest was never in being in front of the camera. I wanted to be a writer my whole life. That's really all I wanted to do. <laughs> Um, and I just kind of did this out of passion for pursuing interesting people in this landscape of, of agriculture, hunting and foraging and farming. Um, so one day I just said, fuck it. Uh, we were driving across the state from New York to California as our business, our production business was sort of hitting that, that recession wall. And I said, fuck it. Let's just make it ourselves. I'll be on, I'll, I'll just do it. <sighs> I drank a lot to get through it, and suddenly it it existed, and here we are. And so it doesn't just exist, right? <laughs> it, doesn't, it takes a lot. You know, I was watching just uh, to get prepared for this. I watched a few episodes this morning, cut up yeah. early because I wanted to be in the 
the zone. Kelly mindset. So did you uh, see the Amazon? Yes. Oh, yes. I love that. I, the the piranha were a lot smaller than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, they're tasty though. Yeah. Well, you didn't say that. I didn't say that. Well, you know what? No, 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 no. You might have said that, but I di- I did have certain spots where I was going to pour coffee as I was watching <laughs> it, so I might have missed it. I'm sorry. You didn't pause. You didn't pause. <laughs> no, I did not because so did I you see the Did you see the nudie shot? Was it tastefully done? Mm. <laughs> no, have to return but, to that. Cool, let's just, we can pull that up right now. Right now. I missed that one as he well. You can pull it up. So you got. So you do have a little thing with nudity, right? Because it obviously was on the show, and you did say somewhere here that you would love to be running through Portland naked. Oh, someday uh, with, Oregon. With Oregon. Oregon. Oh, oh, not Portland. Not Portland. Oh, well, that's still that counts where I am at at the coast. See? Still part of it. <laughs> I there might have been a few times running naked through Portland did happen, uh, but I prefer to be in the woods. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with being in the woods. It's one of the beautiful things about the state. It's a whole it's a beautiful thing. It's whole one point of being here. Being really, it's not bullshit being one with nature. No. Mm-mm. So uh, we should, we'll talk about the show because we started down that track. But what is it that brought you to, what, what was the moment where you said, let's go to Portland? Oh, that is like, it's a really fucked up question. <laughs> answer. Fucked up answer. I'm going to give you the cliff notes on it. Um, well, we, you know, we got robbed uh, when Lucas and I were, were filming the show and the documentary and still living in California. We got robbed in Italy and we, we lost about $30,000 of our life. And that hit us really hard. That was about October. And I was there filming a truffle story um, in Alba, which was beautiful. We came home realizing I've put us in this beautiful beach house we could no longer afford. We could go to Los Angeles and just play the the grind of production and working in entertainment. But, you know, I'm not really, I don't consider myself a filmmaker or an entertainment person. So LA what do you just, consider yourself? I, I'm still trying well, to Well, you'd like to just say you're a writer oh, yeah, and you happen yeah. to be on camera. I'm a drunken poet. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so I got invited to come film the Truffle Festival here in Oregon. And I ended up shooting an episode with Eli at the time. And I went down and I um, shot a story with Truffle Festival. I met my friend Sean at Wildcraft Cider, who I'm now working with. And, and it was just sort of the strange confluence of events and locations. And I, I remember specifically driving from Portland to Eugene. And I don't really think I'd ever been to Eugene before, but that drive, just looking out on that landscape, something just kind of clicked. I was like, this feels like home, you mm-hmm. know? This really feels like home. Um, and then that was that was sort of it. I had to be on the road quite a bit after that, and we needed to make a decision. So we packed up and we came here. I found a place online, and then I hit the road, and I actually didn't, my stuff was here, my cats were here, and then I showed up like a month or so later. <laughs> so the show was already going at that point. You already had yeah. the original fair going. Yeah, the show was season, I think that was shooting for season three, or season two, I can't remember. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. 
Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupan's Markets. Portland Food Adventures. Imagine eating your way through Barcelona with Italo's Jose Chesa or Tuscany with Lardo and Grasa's Rick Gincarelli. Join right at the Fork host Chris Angeles with these great chefs in Europe this fall. Get more information under the blog tab at portlandfoodadventures.com where you can contact Chris directly. So how far in advance, so you're, you've got season four out now, right? Or is it season three? Uh, season four is out now. Yes, yeah, so that's what I thought. Season four. Are you thinking about season five yet? Because <sighs> like, there are I mean, so I'm many. Shooting, I'm shooting still for season four. So like Ireland will be season four. I'm going, I'm, I'm shooting still for season four. I, I don't, I don't know about season five. I'm not sure. But are, uh, is season four completely planned? Um, that's what 90, I'm percent. 90%, 90%. Like, how far in advance are you thinking about these? Because it's a fun thing that you have going. That does not mean that it's not hard work and that yeah. it, there are things that are, drive you crazy. But it's very that No one would argue that it's pretty cool to have a, a TV show yeah. going that you can count is going to be there. You don't have to go find yeah. a place to have it distributed now um, and be able to fantasize what would be cool. Yeah, and, and then do it. So how's how's that process go, and and how do you formulate? Where do you get the budget for all? How does how does that how do the financials work? For I mean, I show? have to give out a lot of blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to make light of it because it's it's fucking hard. You're the first one to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's for ladies, and that's fine too. Um, no, it's 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 tough. It's tough. You know, you wake up. When I say it, it exists, you, I do make the choice. You know, you wake you wake up and you make the choice. And um, certainly, there's there's things that I I, I want to stories I want to tell. However, I have to get every single episode funded. You know, PBS doesn't pay me anything. Um, so you have to find you kind of have to find a balance of here's a great story. Here's where I can maybe get a sponsor that would help who's a right fit for the story. Um, and then you sort of have to think about reinvesting what pro- profit mar- margins you have into stories that are going to have no budget. So you have to go out and sell each episode to some to a company? Yeah, to, to somebody. Yeah, tourism boards are typically who I work with. Um, but I also work with, you know, the goat cheese of France did a story with me. Um, Newfoundland, I'm going to. I'm going to work with a commercial seal harvesting company, Carino. So it's sort of a hodgepodge. How hot do you hodge. find them? How do, and that's got to be half of the difficulty of what you're doing um, is coming up with the funding. I would say. Because we do that here. Yeah. And not, certainly not my favorite part. No. We're lucky to have found people we like. But, yeah. you know, that's not an easy process. No, it's not. And a lot of times, you know, I just went down to Oaxaca Two months ago to do a story on Mezcal, um, and I really kind of wanted to dig into the wall and immigration issues. Nobody was going to fund that, right? So I just had to find a way to, like, pull the resources out of my ass. But I'll tell you what, that was one of the best stories I think I've ever shot and one of the most magical trips of my life. But uh, now I don't think PBS, they're too scared to air it because it talks about Trump. And, you know, Trump hates PBS. Yeah. (laughs) So, and that's... that's, um... You know, you have to deal with PBS, and you have to also deal with your sponsors. So, if you get if mm-hmm. you're getting funded, do you, are you beholden to say all the right things? No, there's they... a, there's a sweet spot. You know, having done this before, 
it became my show. You know, I, I had to sell this stuff for video services when I started my business. That's just what I did. You know, I went to Disney and I got money to do such such and such thing. But those were really big budgets. So you're you're handling you're pushing all that control to them at the end of the day. But I kind of found a sweet spot with with pricing and approach where we we understand on a common ground where I'm going to come at that story. But they have no editorial control. They don't see a rough, you know, they don't they don't get to have that kind of involvement because once you go down that path, then it's no longer my show. It's uh, and then it's they're making suggestions. By. Well, yeah. not only that, but you gotta deal with suggestions and then yeah. these are the people paying you. How do you, you Yeah know, blowjobs won't work at that point? I mean they might. They might, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised what those what problems <laughs> right, those well, can solve. I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> There's the there's well he's like end uh, times over, <laughs> so Kelly everybody. No, I was more thinking about well there's a there's an arsenal I don't have in my repertoire and that's why we're no um so uh so PBS basically has just agreed to distribute the show mm-hmm. that's 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 the, that's the relationship yeah and the, but they can knock it down saying you mentioned Trump. We have only had, I mean, they've been wonderful partners to work with, and they've been supportive of me. I mean, sure, I would like a little more, but um, they haven't really gotten, uh, they haven't had too much of a creative input. There's only been two times. The first was when I did the factory chicken farm episode with Purdue. And what their response was, you need to lawyer up. Like, you need to be prepared because Purdue might come after you and see you. And, and my and agreement not, with them. And they're not small. And they're not small. And my, my agreement with PBS is I have all the liability. So, you know, go ahead and sue me, guys. All I've got are cats. Um, yeah, but you don't want to give them up. <laughs> Depends they, on the day. Are they worth any money? <laughs> How much is a cat going for these days? Probably about buck fifty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then this one, because of the political times that are happening. You know, I think they're just a little bit scared and it's, you know, I'm a little bit bummed. I feel like now is the time more than ever to be uh, ballsy and aggressive and and forward about your stance, considering that we have a womanizing douchebag who's running our country and has a hold of the nuclear code. So why? And and, and I didn't even say Trump was bad in the episode. I just put together clips of him talking about building a wall and getting the bad hombres out. Those are his words, not mine. Yeah. Well, yeah, but no, because there are no facts. Oh God! Right? So yeah. Let's. You, we, didn't, we don't have whiskey. We can't talk about. I was this. actually. <laughs> I was actually thinking, court. Right. Right. As Kelly started to even mention that, yeah. we should just cut the. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to happen. I think that we're in a world where that will happen, where there will be things that are just shut down um, that we'd never d- dreamed could happen in this country. I think that's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I I was in um, Algeria last year touring my dock with the embassy, and uh, I remember being in the city of Constantine, which is a walled city, and just outside my hotel room, you know, you open up that window and you see the ruins of time, the ruins of cultures that have come and fought and dominated. And it was that moment, and this was probably February, that I realized, oh, Trump could absolutely be president. We are mm-hmm. such a young country. Um However, I'm I'm just kind of getting to that point of there's so such a big world out there, you know. So either I retreat to the woods of Oregon, or <laughs> I hide in the mountains of Algeria. But I'll get to your point, and it's interesting that you mention that because traveling for, forces you or allows you to open up your mind. And I will say, uh, I'm going to Italy in the fall and doing trips with people, 
I started watching Rick Steves mm-hmm. religiously and binge watching. And for me, I started to see he was talking, you know, v- he's very good at talking about the history of civilizations mm-hmm. and what that what has happened. And for me, I started to think, well, this is just a blip in time. Mm-hmm. Horrible, more horrible things have happened over, you know, hundreds of years ago. It is. And people, they, I guess a lot of people didn't survive, but civilizations came through it. But uh, I think traveling helps open your mind up so... Yeah, maybe you're not as horrified by it. Maybe you see it as a, as a little, you know, where the United States isn't everything. We're not. I mean, you know, I was in Zambia. I love Zambia. You, I had the what do you love about best. Zambia? Time. They are crazy wild. I think I'm wild, man. They can party like they showed me things I've never seen before. <laughs> but they, they, they're they're a country that has you know got their freedom. They got their independence, I believe, in the '70s, and they lost entire generations to AIDS and HIV. But you come around them, and they have such spirit and such kindness and warmth, and um, they're just they're just happy to be alive, and they're making things and. I feel like it's the the beginning of this artistic new time for them. And they're not sitting there fretting like we do about everything. You know, every I just feel like Americans were constantly fretting. You know, they're on social media thinking about their followers or they're worried about what happened in the news or a tornado is going to come there. And it's just every day we compound ourselves with this intense worry. Well, we're also we're also the most media centric society in the history of the world and that's why we're we're sucking that in and, and processing it yeah and look at all of us sitting in this room yeah, making sitting in media. This room talking about your tv show <laughs> making media <laughs> but I, you know that's a good question and i think we've been kind of going here and there but i i'm interested in this because um i find when people talk about genuine people and being real mm-hmm. I, I don't always know what that means because people are doing what they do and some people obviously are honest and some aren't. That's all questionable. But mm-hmm. but at some point you, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder and I see it in Portland, the pursuit of authenticity <laughs> is commercial unto itself. Yes. Right. It's like it's a brand being authentic. Yes. And so I just wonder how you whether you think about that. I think about it all the time, you know, because. We all look in the mirror and sometimes see the parts of us that we don't necessarily. And you're not always, you know, we're not always to ourselves the greatest people. So how do you deal with that being public? Um, You know, your public persona and you're trying to you're you're trying to have your private person just be your public persona. Right. It it is. And I and I think that's where I kind of have to forgive myself a little bit which is hard every day I'm usually taking a shower and I'm like fuck why did you do that you're such a stupid idiot you know and then you get out of it and and I realize I am who I am and I think that's why people can connect with me because there's just no bullshit you know what you see is what you get I definitely don't compartmentalize myself in ways and right now especially in the city and it really kind of freaks me out there there's definitely a persona happening that's a packaged authenticity. And I really get jazzed when I get to meet the people who are just on the surface. You know, this is me. I mean, one of my best buddies here, Craig, there's no, there's, he's not trying to be anything but Craig Peterson. Especially when there's whiskey involved. And he and I can throw it back. Uh, no shit. I, <laughs> I, uh, 
I feel like I don't. Th- we haven't spoken since the last time we were together, but yeah, yeah, I had the. Uh, I thought it was one of my favorite moments was hanging out with you I guys mean, with both of you, I, I, like just, by eleven o'clock, and I just, for me to decide, I'm just going to shut up and listen because we would just go at it. I mean, look at great. our other mutual friend, Damien. We're speaking of Craig at ringside. Yeah. By the way, just because it's not fair oh, yeah. for people to podcast just to hear names. They don't know. I'm just yeah, going to name not, drop. Yeah. Um, Damien Magista, one of my favorite people. He's insane. Yeah. And it's you, what you see but is what really you get. But really not. I don't think he, well, yes. But, I, but, you know, he's insane in all the right ways. It's interesting that two, two of us have gravi- gravitated towards Damien. How, how do you not? <laughs> well, no, but you can't, no, he's someone I really enjoy hanging out with, and you do too. Although the three of us never hung out. Which is surprising. Well, we'll, we'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. I wish, I, I have plans for my birthday. We could do the second annual birthday thing yeah. coming up, but we'll do something. But at any rate, um, yeah, I see it all the time. And and I noticed you're calling bullshit on a lot. Yeah. And I'm going to try to bring this up without, I don't want to get um, personal on any business, but you and I actually met. We were at a, a dinner where the whole dinner was about how this restaurant was doing things differently and wonderfully and all that. And I'm sitting there, this is great. I'm sitting there impressed by the whole thing going, oh, this is great. And I'm so happy to be here. And I'm sitting with Kelly and Lucas, new, you know, you guys are really cool. And then at the end, you just look at me and go, that was total bullshit. <laughs> I'm remembering that. Yeah, so it, without it's, getting it's specific. Here. I'm not going to get specific on people because I, I, I think everybody has good intentions. But there is a point when especially the restaurants here in the city need to start taking some honest responsibility for who, who they are and what they represent. And I, you know, and this is where Craig and I. We know we don't agree. He uses beef that I'll never eat, but he's like, "That's just how I roll." Not everybody can afford the expensive grass-fed steak, so that's just it. I would like to see more of that instead of all of these trappings of farm-to-table and this is the ethos and this is the story. And you look down and you dig. You don't even have to dig that deeply. You just scratch it a little bit, and you're like, "Ah, bullshit." And how? What? What? What frustrates me more? in that scenario is all they're doing is taking away the opportunity for growth and uh, uh, stamina in the businesses who are making that extra effort and making that extra uh, resource, putting that extra resource in to do what they truly believe is the, is the right product. You know, I see it with my friend, um, Sean, who I'm, who does wildcraft cider, who I'm working with and talk about a fascinatingly flooded market of a lot of garbage and bottles. I mean, people are trucking in, apples and juices and all this crap from out of state, but yet they market the hell out of it as though it's this fucking golden apple urine in a bottle and it's the best thing ever. But it's not. And I see what he has to be up against now to try to be competitive in the mar- in that marketplace. And it's just, it it's frustrating. Eli just said the same thing this morning. Exact same thing. Oh, that everything that's sold and, you know, his stuff is so, is everything about it is local and, uh, he's going out of his way, and others are shipping things in and packaging it and pro- uh, selling it as such. Um, Court, I I had this fascination. Maybe it was probably twenty years ago when I was coming out of college. I wanted to be a travel show host ah. just because of, but and I remember reaching out to somebody who had a show, and it was one of the not the one of the not very good ones on on PBS, and asking them about it, and that was their biggest. That was kind of their deterrent to me. Was like, oh, nah, it's so hard to do this thing because you have to get funding for it on your own. So, so your answer to this is what's next is just—it's amusing to me because I don't think you saw yourself 
10 years ago as being quote unquote a travel show host Mm-mm. even though it's kind of a, you know it's a it's a different version of of travel but it's the, to me it's the more enjoyable type of travel shows where it's more real you're seeing stuff but like yeah so what what is next from here yeah it's um and it, there's a few things cuz yeah like we've talked about it's it's a great thing to do and when i think about it, i can't handle it anymore it's just too much i think about what the alternative would be and i, I come up short you know i can't, i'm too old to strip I've aged out of that. So <laughs> that's the first that anybody's ever resolved. <laughs> uh, did so you resolve that you, right you, now, or is you, that something you've thought about? You haven't been to any of the clubs here in Portland. I, I, think <laughs> I get kicked out wrong. of them often. Oh, okay, um, right. uh, so yeah, I, I, I have the energy to keep that going, and I and I think I do want to, you know, think about a season five. Things are sort of evolving and changing a little bit on how I approach the show, which I think will make my life a bit easier. But then I'm thinking about, like, what's the universe with Original Fair as it expands beyond just the show? So I've been trying to get a really cool book off the table, you know, since forever. Um, And then I'm starting these collaborative products with friends that I feature in the stories, like the Marshalls, who I love, Mm -hmm. Sarah Marshall. I brought her back some mezcal and chilies from Oaxaca, and we're going to make some... Well, we've already made it together, and it's amazing. And then... I brought some tea back from my story I did in uh, Sri Lanka and India to Jamie Curl to make a Quinn candy tea syrup. So I'm trying to think about other ways to further how people can engage with the concept of original fare, how original fare can continue to be this sort of stamp of integrity, um, and then also find other paths to to put some money back into the stories that I want to do. Because um, at, at the end of the day, there's there's things that people just are not going to fund, and uh, I'm going to have to find a way to make it happen. So, do you have something in mind that the big the big episode that you haven't been able to do yet because it's not hasn't been funded? Oh yeah, I want to go and do this. I want to go. So I was in Zambia, and then I um, did something I never do. I like took a day for myself, and I ran away from the world. Nobody had any idea where I went. I went to the Zambezi River and on safari, and you know, I, I couldn't sit and relax, of course, so I end up tracking elephant poachers in the bush, nearly being left for dead. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting story because it's controversial poaching of elephants for ivory, and it's terrible. But then there's this side of it where the villagers are harvesting the meat, and that question becomes, is it okay for them to be harvesting the meat when it's technically an illegal activity? And who then are the people to to speak on that with authority that you know deserve to speak upon it? So it, to me, it's it's a fascinating gray area, which is what I really like to search for in my stories. Well, it's also an interesting gray area because so, and I don't want to get myself in any trouble here either. But you know, wh- who's to say that it's not okay to harvest? elephant meat but it's okay to harvest these animals that we harvest without even thinking twice about it oh yeah and secondly that it's illegal and we understand why it is but it's illegal and it's you go back to the marijuana argument you know being jailed people are jailed for something we're in one place you can be jailed and another place it's perfectly okay oh yeah so someone's making arbitrary suggestions on what's good and what's bad morality and all that Oh, and my next episode is going to make me a lot of enemies because I will be hunting seals. I mean, talk about a controversial issue. Paul McCartney has made it impossible. He's the the PETA spokespeople against the seal hunting have decimated Inuit culture. I mean, they have put kids into starvation. 
they have people have lost their jobs. There have been suicides. But nobody wants to talk about that because it's easier for the celebrities to come out, you know, who have never, ever bothered to even go there and say that is wrong. However, you know, and even my friends who I feel like would be on my side, they're like, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. I'm like, but you're eating that chicken. Where where is the difference there? Mm-hmm. Seals are cute. That dog. I think chickens are cute. <laughs> but I, I, somebody pointed this out to me. It's it's when you look at a seal face, it has a more humanoid face. The eyes are in in front rather than on the sides, and so I think there's a human sympathy that kicks in mm-hmm. when you see a face like that. You're just like, oh. You mm-hmm. don't say that with a pig once in a while? You don't look at a pig and go, oh, Every geez. now and then. In fact, I have the conversations all the time with my daughters when they see a cute little pig, and then I'm like, all right, bacon for breakfast. Yeah. And I have to remind them that's that's, how, that's where we get our bacon. That's how it works. But it, it, it is an interesting conversation because then, you know, it, uh, horse is very common in a lot of parts of, of Europe, yet here in the United States, I mean, horses are for riding, but yet at the same time, we corral them like we do cows. Yeah. And, so, and but God some, forbid we eat dogs. Yeah. Right? Um, humans are just so morally fucked up like we just we just make the morals on our own and then it just there's no real making sense of any of us well yeah no there's no but it's often very arbitrary depending on time and place and mindsets Mm -hmm. you know and and crazy fantasies about what's important and what's going to happen you know in afterlives and all that good stuff Mm. well i don't know if it's good stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> better than trump <laughs> well no three mentions well let's we'll move from amazing <laughs> to trump three trump. mentions yeah. of trump and we stopped the podcast it's true this is the most i've talked about him in a long time so i apologize yeah no i've been trying no, to i think it's when you say trump and amazing in the same sentence chris that's when i think there's reason for, for there, but it's very, lashings it's very easy to construct that though to, to make it sound that it's okay right. like it's amazing that he actually said this Sure. Okay, I see what you so, mean. So, so you we, both said it, and I didn't. You have you have a couple going on, just so you can listen to. Go back and listen. We didn't call you on it. I wanted you to, but I told you once you said it, it was gonna, it was happening. It was gonna happen. Gonna I just happen. think it's everybody's habit, no matter whether, no matter whether you're aware <sighs> of it or not. But I, we're just trying to make people a little aware of that word. You guys hate it. I get it. Yeah, you know what? No, my, the word, hate it. You know just the word the... I hate that everybody needs to stop using is in terms of. Mm. Really? In terms of, and it's just you're you're taking a breath. Just take a breath. Shape the sentence differently. <laughs> so you're saying that's a that's a, uh, a a utility phrase people are throwing in just to delay till they can get their thoughts together, or to sound smarter. Utility mm. phrase. Um, I like utility phrase. Yeah, I think. Well, there's circle back. Come on. Uh, see, I worked in the cra- I worked in the nonprofit world, and they love that shit. They circle love back. it. Yeah, there's a there are a lot of things that. What really annoys you, other than that? Let's let's spend the next half hour going what, on piss. What's what pisses you off? What does what's pissed you off in the last week? Oh my god! I mean, there is a mount. There is. <laughs> I remember. I just got back from Europe on Wednesday. <laughs> would you prefer? You'd prefer to be there, I would imagine. Um. Are you glad to be back? I'm. That's that's a loaded question. I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted on being back. I'm happy to see friends. You know, I got to go out with Carlo and my my friends the other night. Um, but uh, it was it's great being. It's just great being overseas right now. I don't think Europe is ideally where I want to be. I'd be happier going south. Um, what pisses me off? What pisses you off? What pisses you guys off? Oh, I have them ragging all the time. 
and I and I have to use everything I have to just shut up. I had one this morning, and I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> and and Court was involved in the text thing. Oh yeah, yeah, just yeah left I was. It alone. Yep, I know what you're talking about. Right. Yep. But uh, but I I don't know if you are, but and I'm older than you are. But I'm really working on not letting those things get to me. I am. I am, and that's why. I, was honest when I haven't talked about politics. I've been I've been able to, I've been fortunate enough to be gone and then surrounding myself with people who are focused on doing their work, making something good, and not getting caught up in that rat race of what's happening. You know, what's happening here? What's going on there? How's this going to go next? So I think it's important to kind of check out of that a little bit. I think. I, I hope what pisses me off and makes me up, hopefully, maybe it's optimistic down the line, but it pisses me off that there are a lot of people out there who are feeling really raged and rallied. But at the same time, we still choose to spend what little time we have on this earth contributing to mediocrity and bullshit. That's what pisses me off. You know, I would love to see pa- the passionate people out there really channel and translate that into creating or working with people or supporting others who who are adding value to this planet and are going to help as best they can carry it on for generations to come. But do you think, I don't, I, do you think, I was going to phrase it in terms of my opinion. But in terms you, of. Yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. Oh my God. I haven't been called on something like that. I don't even realize how can't, I did you that. You can't dish it out. So, yeah, exactly. So take now it. I lost my place, but I think I was <laughs> going to say, um, do you think people are, capable of being that everybody not just people every can you expect that from everybody that they're going to be passionate and authentic and have something they can really latch on to and have the wherewithal to to do what you're talking about i mean it's the natural order of things some people can some people can't you know you just look at like eli cairo here this morning from olympia provisions what he's done is incredible there are people who have he's all right (laughs) No, but I'm not editorializing on him as a person, and I didn't say you were either. But but what he's done is a that that's a with all the people in the Portland food world trying to do what they're trying to do. He's accomplished a lot in eight years to build what he's built, and some others have built things like that, but not everybody has. So some people are capable of that, and you know what I do is really humble. It's nothing like that, and I have to look at it and just say, "Are you doing your best at what you can?" Yeah. But not everybody does their best. They're just getting by. Yeah. They have to. That's all they have is getting by. Oh, that's and a lot sad. of things pulling at them. I know, but I don't know. I let's, let's not just get by. Let's do more than that. Well, but you can't say that to everybody. I know. I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole that nobody gets and offends everybody, so I no, might as well I'm go not, run not, naked in the woods. I'm not saying you're offending <laughs> anybody. I'm just saying that it's easier to say... You know, it's easier to say, hey, well, I guess not just get by because some people are just trying to get to getting by. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And those are some of the issues that happen with this, this election with this person. Yeah, yeah, I get I get that. I mean, I guess I, I, I get a little bit aggressive around it, having come from nothing, having grown up poor, having no formal education, hustling my way through New York and. You know, I have a lot of people who say, oh, I'd really like that job. That's so cool. How do you do it? Da, 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 da. I have a lot of blonde white girls coming out and trying to copy. That's what pisses me off. Everybody's now trying to copy the show. Vice just came out with a new thing trying to copy the show. And it's like, 
Okay. Do you know they were trying to copy you, or you just oh, think they? It's. I mean, it's fine. There's there's room for everybody, and I'm glad that they're doing it. But I've seen people out there basically using my language verbatim, and it's frustrating. Um, but they're doing something, so I guess I just I get frustrated that if I can get to this point. I mean, there's no reason I should even be sitting in this chair with the activities of my living. <laughs> but you have. But here managed, I am. And you're going to keep going and doing better. So, you know? And you'll have your downs, you know, ups and downs. and Yeah. Join the club world. Come and party. It's fun up here. <laughs> so that's the, that's the end thing. Just make sure that's happening <laughs> and, it, and it's going okay. So, what, you know, what, what do you consider? Um, you do a lot of interviews. Oh, it's my yeah, it's my favorite. Right. So, oh wait, I interview people. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's what part I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. So, uh, as an interviewer, what's the most important thing that you keep in mind? I'm asking this selfishly, uh, to be a great interviewer. Listening. I think listening is is utmost importance. I mean, doing your research is vital, but you have to be present in the conversation, really listening, and and they'll give you cues of where to go and and how they're feeling, how they're engaging. Um, but it's, it shocks me how few people really listen anymore. Well, it's because we're all very distracted. You gotta I get those. We. You gotta get those followers on Instagram, man. Well, it's not only that, but someone might be texting right now or, <laughs> or instant messaging. So you have to look. So if someone were to, and we suggest it, go and look up original fare that hasn't seen the show before. And only could watch one episode. Oh, I know it's like choosing between oh. your, your children. But what what was your where did you feel like you were really really on? <sighs> and it could be a couple. I'm not looking to pin you down to one. I just want people yeah. to have that first excellent experience watching your yeah. show. Not that they couldn't pick anyone, but you know there are going to be some that are and I'm you're sad. More passionate I'm, about than others. I'm sad. Wahak is not out. My next two organ episodes aren't out yet. Those are great, but there's definitely two. Um, my chicken episode, the dirty bird that I shot, uh, it, it came out last season where I started in Kenya, slaughtering a bird from the market and then moved to working in a factory chicken farm and then in Purdue with this amazing farmer, Craig Watts, who has since he's been he's spoken out against Purdue for years and now he's actually closed his houses down, which is huge um, and then ended up on a pasture raised farm. That one really Number one, it got me smoking again, <laughs> because once you work in those farms, you can't get that ammonia out of your system. And it's just devastating to see how we treat animals and how cruel. I mean, nature is cruel, but humans have the option to approach things a little bit differently. Um, I felt like that one really hit it because for me to see a global perspective of something, I think, is helps give a deeper context for how cultures relate and exchange with each other. You know, in Kenya, it's it's everybody grows kale and corn and tomatoes in their garden, right? For us, that's expensive here. But going to a chicken, you know, they do that on a special occasion when, they're, when they want to make something with family or friends coming over. It's not an everyday thing. It's probably not even a once-a-week thing. But we can buy cookies and chicken and all that shit all, all the time. Um, and not think twice about it. And As nothing we were talking twice. talking about in the and context of it, elephants and horses. While we're tweeting, you know, stop clubbing seals. Um, the other one, I think the Amazon is really significant. It's kicking off season four. And what I'm trying to be more comfortable with, and it's taken me quite a few years, but having my voice more a part of the story. I mean, I really kind of leaned on the subjects 
in the first few seasons because I was shy and uncomfortable and, and went through a lot of, well, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. They care about that person. And, you know, you're too poetic or you're too mystic or you, you have all these qualities that just aren't going to translate. And for the Amazon, I just kind of said, fuck it. Um, and I'm going to keep pushing some of the reality of, of myself, what goes through my my life experience as doing this show, um, because it's it's not easy. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm having to sacrifice in order to make it happen. And and I I feel like it should be part of the story, just peppered in, but it should be should be part of it. Oh, it's your show. Yeah, I know. I finally accepted that like a couple months ago. <laughs> right, but then you, but then you've got you've got input from people, and then you've got those voices in the shower that you were talking. about. The voices about. in the shower, man, they really hate me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm thinking there needs to be a twelve step group for people who have those voices. Do you are, have them? What twelve step? No, no, the voices. Oh, fuck yes, all yeah, the time. Man. Court, court hears it. It's mm-hmm. like I, <sighs> I worry about this is, this is compared to your show. This is a small show, but. I worry about you got 45 minutes a week. You're going to you're bound to say something stupid, oh, right? I Not mean, you. One is one is. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And 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 everything's going to be viewed differently. So what do you want to do better? And we don't have much more time. So mm-hmm. let's just end with what would you like those voices in the in the shower? What if you could what would it take to end those? Oh, mm. other than a good good. Solid few shots. Good, solid few shots kicks kicks that bitch out fast. <laughs> All right. Well, then that maybe that's, <laughs> that's just it. No, I think I think I you know to answer that question, um, I think just embracing embracing the chaos of me and just accepting that this is my wild one self and and not everybody will get it, but those the, those that have that, that have connected to the show and it's primarily women ha- has been really encouraging to experience because like Court said earlier. Or I think you mentioned it. I wasn't allowed to do this. I'm not a man. I'm not Bourdain. You know, I heard that from the get-go. And to do it and keep pushing myself out there in a really intimate way, I think is only going to connect me with my with my female viewers even more. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm just going to, you know, keep having those shots and keep getting ballsy and hope to live and fight another day. <laughs> Well, good. Keep we'll we'll keep watching the fight, and I'd like to I'd like to be in there watching you with the gloves on, here and there. It's been a pleasure to do that and Thanks. have you here. I know. Thank you guys for inviting me. This is fun. Oh, totally, I want to do podcasts. Now. Totally cool. <laughs> well, you can come in and join us sometime. We just need to find we need you need another you chair. find the funding oh, so that God. we can have other chairs. You're good at this, and <laughs> we'll go from there. Chair company. The chair. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, reach out to a chair company. Thanks. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right